Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freakin' Mirpod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Miss these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, on to this week's bonus content. As we are getting into the heart of the long hike prep season, I thought it might be important to spend an episode on the fuel that's going to keep us going out there. That's right. This is a bonus episode about all things related to food on the trail. It is my pleasure to welcome to the John Freakamere Pod, the founder of Backcountry Foodie, Aaron Owens Mayhew. Backcountry Foodie is the leading source for ultralight backpacking recipes and meal planning resources. Man, I'm hungry already. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. Hey, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. And I know you are an ultralight backpacker as well, and you've, you've got a very nice hiking resume. So I'm going to assume that you also have a trail name because that's one of the conventions here on the podcast is we, we typically go by trail names. 
Yes, um, I earned my trail name on my first through hike attempt. Um, my trail name is Sling. And what that the story behind that is that I um, was really pushing miles really hard, um, ended up pushing harder than I should have, which a lot of new hikers do when you're beginning to through hike. And also I was from Washington State at the time. So I was really worried about the desert and the sun. So I was carrying an umbrella and I had the umbrella actually zip tied to my backpack because I wanted it to be hands-free. And I ended up having this weird shoulder pain because um, I was putting like 20 miles a day and I ended up being super hunched over because my shoulder hurt so bad that I couldn't carry my backpack three days after it started and had to carry it like a purse. And then I couldn't even carry that. So I took my tent footprint and wrapped my shoulder and arm around myself as a sling with my tent footprint. So therefore I did that for another two days, I think all wrapped up with my, my backpack on my shoulder and then my other arm wrapped up. So eventually I had to end up going home and wasn't able to finish the PCT, but that's where sling came from and it's stuck ever since. I was gonna ask if this happened on the PCT and if, if it happened this, this few days in, you know, how that trip went, but we'll, we'll get to that in a little yeah. bit. So I know that's one of the things we're gonna cover. Sling, very good, mm -hmm. very good. You can call me Doc. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Hey, have you listened to the podcast before? Yes, I have. Okay, so you're familiar with a regular segment that we have. It's called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. And what this is, is towards the end of the episode, I will turn to you and I'll say, hey, Sling, what's your Pro Tip Insight of the Week? And at that point, you're going to share something, some kind of uh, insight or a tip or a bit of wisdom that's going to help make our listeners' next outdoor adventure that much more epic. Got it. Okay, so don't be surprised. Okay. And I have a feeling it'll probably be something about food. So it's probably going to be about food. <laughs> yeah, very good. Important, important stuff. All right. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review, which I am changing to the must bring food review for this episode. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bear canister with pretty much generic food for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific food item you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific food item, even better. So Sling, what is your must-bring food item? That's actually a really great question, considering like I'm a dietitian, I love food. So narrowing it down to one thing is actually really hard. Um, but I'm going to put my dietitian hat on and say um, whole milk powder would be my go-to because there's a number of reasons. Um, one, being an ultralight di dietitian, it's really high calorie per ounce it's compact and like like ramen is really rigid so it takes up a lot of space in your if you have to carry 10 days worth of food in a bear can or however many days um you're going to get a really compact food um it has protein and carbs in it and fat so you're getting all those macronutrients you're also going to get vitamin d and calcium so you're going to get those micronutrients out of it so i think it's one of those like all-encompassing foods that and it's cheap you can buy it at walmart when you're resupplying um so I think that would be my go-to food. And I use it in everything. I use it in smoothies. I use it in cereal. I use it in cream sauce. So it's one of those, it's good for everything. That was going to be my question because I wanted to know if you, if you just, you just drank that straight or if you, if you added, actually added it to other, other food items to make them that much better. And this is what's funny. I can't stand the taste of regular milk at home. <laughs> so, but it's like my favorite food when I'm backpacking. Yeah, I add it to everything else. I'll never drink it straight. Um, it's always just kind of one of those behind the scenes kind of foods where it's adding to everything else that I'm already eating. Yeah, as a teenager, I had two bad experiences with milk where on two separate occasions, probably about four months apart, I, I ended up drinking milk, not looking at it too closely. And it was chunky milk. 
Oh. And that kind of ruined the whole milk experience <laughs> for me. So I'm glad to hear you say that. You're not a regular, you know, you're not no, going to drink it straight. Because uh, I still get the little, you know, little creeped Ooh. out by, by that. But uh, if we can add it to other stuff and get those calories and make it taste better, awesome. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Before we get to the, the important food section of the episode, let's talk a little bit about hiking and kind of go back and talk about your background and growing up and how you got involved in the backpacking cult. Um, it's kind of funny. I didn't learn how to backpack until I was in my 20s. Um, I grew up in small town Kentucky. Um, not, I was a competitive swimmer my entire life, but my family never camped, never did any backpacking. So it wasn't until after graduate school that I moved to Seattle, Washington, which was 2001, um, and went on my first backpacking trip. And this is actually one that I will never, ever forget. Like I think a lot of people's first backpacking trips, I was dating a guy in the army and his idea of a backpack was a rucksack. His idea of food was MREs. Um, so my very first trip was wearing a 70 liter backpack from an REI garage sale, blue jeans, cotton long sleeve shirt, <laughs> and, and MREs. So, and we did that for four days and I, that's all I, oh, and mountaineering boots that didn't fit. So, <laughs> It's one of those, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so that's where it all started. And luckily- And, and, and you came back. And I came you, back. You kept going after that. I that's, kept going. that's impressive. Yeah. Well, what ended up happening is the next boyfriend, seven years later, was like, I actually do know how to backpack. So I'm going to fix your gear. So it wasn't until then that I got a new tent. I got a new, actually by then my boots had dry rotted, which made it even worse because I'd had them for so long. Um, so when the new boyfriend brings up backpacking, I can uh-huh. imagine that your reaction is is the same as my reaction to somebody offering me a glass of milk. It's like, oh no, I've been there. I've done that. I'm not doing that again. But he, he sets you straight. He says, that's not the way to do it. This is, I've, I've got some, some updated information and, and gear for you. Right, which is pretty much what happened. And at that point in time, he was a mountain house eater, a freeze-dried food. Mm-hmm. So again, that was in 2007-ish, I would say. Um, so then it wasn't until I started planning for my 2017 PCT through hike that I learned about like homemade food. So that's been my transition over. It's taken me 20 years to get to where I am today. Um, I was definitely a newbie for a long time. So this is something relatively new. Very good. And and to establish your your food credentials, take us through your degree and and what you know about food. Um, well, I have an undergraduate degree, a four-year degree in nutrition. Like I said, I went on to graduate school. So I have another two-year degree, a master's degree in nutrition science. And then I have a fellowship after that for another year. Um, which is more clinical kinds of nutrition. Um, then I continued working. I've only ever been a dietitian. I can't imagine doing anything else. It's just, it's in my blood. It's what I do. I love food. So I've been a dietitian since 2001. Okay. And do you work, um, in order to pay the bills, do you work for a company as a dietitian? Do you, I mean, other than, do you, is it only backcountry foodie that you have Backcountry going? foodie is now my full-time and my husband's full-time job. Um, and that's just happened within the last year. I quit my job in 2017. I've been a clinical working in a hospital dietitian all Mm -hmm. up until 2017. And then decided at that point in time, I had a midlife crisis was miserable driving two hours each way to work. I was like, I'm done. I'm out. (laughs) You know, this isn't working. So that's when I decided to try the backcountry foodie. And that's gone through an evolution of time too. Um, that I've gone from just learning how to make food to writing a cookbook to making a membership site with some recipes on it to now we have like this full-blown membership site. We've got learning modules. We've got nutrition coaches. I mean, we've got master classes. So now this is our full-time business. 
So if you're able to, to combine the things that you love mm-hmm. and make that your living, you're in the best possible spot. So congratulations on that. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. And as we are, as we are talking today, uh, tell our listeners, you know, what your, what your current venue is. Where, where are you? <laughs> We're in the parking lot of the ferry terminal in San Pedro, Los Angeles, California, waiting to catch the ferry tomorrow morning for, to do the Trans Catalina Trail. Mm-hmm. And people might say, well, they're in a parking lot. You know, oh, yeah. Sorry. That's got to be, that's got to be unusual for <laughs> them. We are sleeping yeah. in a parking lot waiting for the ferry the next day. Oh, but this is, sorry. this is not that unusual for you. I left out the important part. We live in a van full time. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't lived in a house in so long. <laughs> this is just our normal. Um, yeah, we've been in a van since um, April 1st of 2019 full time. And we've traveled all around the country. And we decided last week we needed a vacation. So we've been in southern Arizona for about a month and then decided just yesterday we're going to drive across to the West Coast and do a hike for a couple of days. Almost sounds like a Chris Farley bit from Saturday Night Live in a van down by the ocean. <laughs> Very good. So you had, you're able to combine your, your degree, what you went to school for, with your passion, ultralight backpacking, and you're doing it from a van. Yeah, living in the wilderness. We only come into town to buy groceries, do laundry. It's like a, like a resupply day. So we actually, I don't like going to town anymore. I don't know what's going to happen when the time comes that we actually have to buy a house um, because we spent six hours in traffic getting here today. And I was like, I can't believe I used to do this every single day for work. Right. So. Well, you could park the van in the driveway and you guys can live in the van. <laughs> live in the van. <laughs> right. That's an option. So when, when you're not, when you're not in town, where, I mean, where is the van parked typically? Um, usually national forests or BLM, um, sometimes state parks, sometimes, um, forest campgrounds, but primarily on national forest or BLM land. Okay. And before we get to the food, let's talk about some hiking. So I know you mentioned the PCT where you earned your, your trail name sling. Uh, was that 2017? That was 2017. 2017. And so you get, you, you had to, to bail out of that after how many days? Uh, I think I was at, oh gosh, 400 ish miles of Wrightwood, wherever Wrightwood is. Okay. I've mm-hmm. forgotten how far along that is. Um, so yeah, I had to bail out there. Uh, it was devastating. Cause again, I'd quit my career to do this thing. So I ended up going home and rehabbing. It was like, I've got five months worth of homemade food. Number one, what am I going to do with all this? And number two, I don't have a job now. What am I going to do? So I actually rehabbed and jumped on the Appalachian trail um, and was attempting a flip-flop. So I jumped on at Harper's Ferry. Oh gosh. I want to say it was like June-ish and then caught the bubble there and was like, Oh, I've been doing 20 miles per day on the PCT. I can keep doing that on the AT. 20 miles on the PCT and the AT are two very different things. <laughs> um, so again, I pushed myself harder than I should and ended up actually tearing my quad muscle um, in Massachusetts. So I ended up having to go home early there too. Wow. 2017 was quite a year. You had boots, on the, ground, year. You had boots <laughs> on the ground on both the PCT and yeah. the AT and had to leave both trails because of injury. Yeah. It wasn't because of food. I didn't lose weight. Food was great, <laughs> but just silly injuries that, I mean, they happened. Right. How, how, how big was your bag? How big was my backpack? Yeah. How, what was the weight? What was your base weight? Um, well, I've since learned a lot. I was an ultralight then. Okay. So I thought I was ultralight, <laughs> but not quite. Um, I want to say the PCT, I was still at like 30 pounds when I started. 27, I think, when I started. And then the AT, I'd already learned enough to where I left a lot of stuff at home. 
-hmm. I didn't even keep my sleeping bag because it was in the middle of summer. So I just had a, a liner that I put on top of my sleeping pad. Um, and I think I've gotten down to like 20 pounds um, for a total pack weight for that on the AT. And if you were to do either one of those trips today, what would your pack weight be? M right now my base weight is under light. Yeah. Um, well, my base weight now is 10 pounds. Um, so I've really gotten it down. And then my food is ultralight because that's my job. So I figured that out. Um, so depending on two, uh, if I'm going to have to carry winter gear, of course, what it's going to be. But a summer hike, I'm down to about 10 pounds. Nice. Is that what you're taking on the, the Trans Catalina this week? That's what I'm taking. But I'm also taking four days worth of dog food and dog gear and <laughs> those kinds of things. So it's actually quite a bit heavier than it normally would be. Tell us about your dog. And then after we talk about your dog, you can tell us about your husband. Okay. Um, we have a German short hair pointer. She's six. Her name's Ella. She's the mascot of backcountry foodie. So if you go to our team page, you'll actually find her. Um, and what's funny is that people have recognized Ella on our trips before they recognize us. <laughs> so they're like, Hey, is that Ella from backcountry foodie? I'm like, absolutely. Hi, I'm Erin, by the way. <laughs> so yeah, she goes everywhere we go. Um, and then Chris is my husband. He used to work in a corporate job similar kind of situation got to where he was just worn out exhausted all the time and decided I'd gotten to a point with backcountry foodie that I couldn't do the marketing part the accounting all those business kinds of things that that's what his old job was is project management so he's since taken over all the web design and all that part of it so I can go back to being a dietitian and it's worked out really well I mean we've launched a brand new platform in a year and that's full time nice now which one of you convinced the other one to live full-time in a van <laughs> you, I did. You, you convinced him? <laughs> yeah, well, because I'm so used to living in a backpack that living in a van was a piece of cake for me. It was a little bit Spacious. more of an adjustment. Oh, yeah. This is a little, 60 square feet is a lot of room. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it was a little bit harder, I think, for him to adjust. Um, but we're actually talking about upgrading to a fifth wheel um, within probably the next six months or so um, because we're getting to where we're, the business is big enough. We need an office, but we're not ready to settle down. So we're thinking about transitioning to a larger space, but still on the road. Mm -hmm. And are you primarily, I know you said um, national forests and BLM. Are you, are you primarily in the West or do you kind of guys just go, go wherever the trail takes you? Go wherever the trail takes us. Okay. So how, how <laughs> far east the have you sun. Been? I guess you could say we follow the sun, okay. the warmth. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Um, so we've circumnavigated, let's see, we've gone from Seattle all the way down to San Diego, across to Florida, up to Maine, or just shy of Maine, and all the way back to Seattle once. Then we've gone back and forth from Seattle to Florida three times. Our, our families live in Florida. So we've done that trip three times. And then we've been down in the New Mexico, Utah, Colorado area for probably the last four months or so, just kind of circling around. I think that's where we're thinking home might be. Um, so we've been circling around there, kind of checking out places. And do you have any, well, you might have just indicated that. I was going to ask if you have any favorite parts of the country since you've seen so much of it firsthand. Um, we're thinking more of the Southwest now mm -hmm. that I don't miss the rainy winters in Seattle anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really loving the sun, the warmth in the winter. Um, we do miss the mountains. So it's going to be a combination of kind of moderate climate with mountains. So we haven't found the perfect spot yet. So we'll see. Okay. Now you mentioned that the um, 20 mile days on the PCT are different than 20 mile days on the AT. I didn't want to let that slip by. I wanted you to kind of clarify that for our listeners. What, what, what is the difference between 20 mile days on each of those trails? 
well, the portion of the PCT that I was able to do 20 miles is it's a 10% grade, generally speaking, it's fairly easy grade. Um, so you might be climbing, but you're climbing slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the AT, I felt like I was doing quad workout all day long, like kept stepping over rocks, like climbing straight up and then going straight back down and straight up and straight back down. Mm-hmm. And especially Roxylvania was horrible. I never want to do that ever again. Roxylvania. <laughs> so, nice. Um, just the stress, the movement on my, yeah. Oh, it was horrible. Um, so just the type of movements are completely different. And I think that I didn't do a lot of squats at home training wise. So I went from not having to do that motion to doing it on the AT. And I think that's why I tore my quad because mm-hmm. I was fit, but I just wasn't used to doing that. Right. And have you since gone back to the AT and done some more parts of it? I'll never go back. <laughs> never go back. I'm sorry. No, sorry, AT lovers, but I'll never go back. The CDT, the triple crown is not in my future. So. Well, don't worry, Sling. You're not the first person on this podcast to have that opinion about the AT. There's uh, yeah. people who, I mean, it, it, it does generate some strong opinions one way or the other. So the PCT is my dream hike still. I will go back to the PCT, but the AT. I'll pass. <laughs> Do you foresee yourself doing the PCT as a through hike or are you going to section hike it? I would through hike it again. Try to through hike it again. It's now, now that we have a new business, it's going to be a matter of where I can work off working that kind of time again. So we'll see. Okay. Very good. And then I also see that you've done some time up in Oregon. What are the hikes up in Oregon that you've done? Um, so the following year in 2018, I had the bug, the through hiking bug. So I wasn't ready to quit. Um, but I couldn't take off as much time because I was working on starting the business. So I through hiked the Oregon coast trail, um, from Portland down to the California border, um, in about a month, I think it's 27, 28 days, something like that. It's 400 something miles. Nice. And I cold soaked it. That was my first attempt at cold soaking. So Okay. That in itself was an experience. <laughs> and is that part of what we're going to hear in the food section that uh, you're going to recommend cold soaking for all of our through hikers out there? Uh, it's personal preference. That's another one of those that I don't know if I'll ever do it again. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very good. And then I see that you were married mm-hmm. on the Yellow Aster Butte in the North Cascades. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, like you can tell, this is what we do. The mountains is where where we do all the things that we love. So one of our favorite hikes was the Yellow Aster Butte hike. And we packed our, my wedding dress on my backpack and his suit was on his backpack. And we hiked the three and a half miles to the wedding site that we picked. That was just this beautiful place, 360 degree views, Mount Shookson. And um, I've forgotten what else is around there. Um, Oh, Mount Baker, yeah. Um, and got married there. My best friend got ordained online. And then our photographer was what's even better. She was six months pregnant. I and mean, we're talking showing pregnant. <laughs> um, so her boyfriend carried all of our camera gear while she's trying to hobble over all these. And she's a hiker, thank goodness. So she's hobbling over climbing rocks while trying to take pictures. So it turned out to be pretty amazing. And we went in October with all the fall colors. So we couldn't have asked for a better time. All right. Hey, let's get to food. Let's talk about some some backcountry food. I'm always jealous of when I'm watching documentaries on YouTube and I see these guys out there and they've got just some amazing meals prepped. And I think back to to my meals on the trail and I'm, you know, it's ramen, it's a candy bar, it's some trail mix and some Skittles, uh, maybe a, a, a breakfast bar. Nothing too exciting out there. In fact, you, you know, you never even look forward to meals. I never looked forward to meals when I was on the trail because it just wasn't that exciting. But um, 
I want to, I want to turn this over to you and let you just run loose on, let's talk about the origin story of backcountry foodie. And uh, let's talk about food. Well, just the reasons why you said what you said. Food actually can taste good. You can look forward to it and you can not have to think about it all day long. Uh, whereas I think a lot of hikers, we tend to think about it, like, when's our next meal? When am I going to get into town? Because I'm sick and tired of eating ramen. I want to have like a fresh meal. Whereas if you have a little know-how, um, which is what I do for a living, is if you have recipes or foods you've chosen that actually take, taste like food you would normally eat at home, it's like a regular day. I mean, you're eating food that you enjoy, you're getting nourished, your body feels good. Um, and then you just don't have to think about food so much. You think more about like, oh, my legs hurt because I just did this really crazy crime. Not because like I'm thinking about food. Um, mm -hmm. but that's how Backcountry Foodie came about is that I noticed the same, the situation that you just described, that hikers are really struggling with food. They don't like to eat what they're packing. So sometimes you don't even eat it. So you're carrying that extra weight that just goes home with you. And if you're an ultralight backpacker, you don't want to carry anything that you ha don't have to. Um, so it's that kind of thing that kind of started at Backcountry Foodie. And did it start just as uh, an idea that you had and it was kind of just a side business to what you were, the, the work you were doing for the hospital? No, it started out as just, I'm making my own food for my trip for the PCT. And then friends were like, you've really got something going here. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I'm just making food for myself. You know, I didn't think anything of it. And when I, I was a um, mentor for several students that were significantly younger than me, and one of my students was like, you should really have an Instagram account and sh share this with people. I'm like, I don't even know what Instagram is. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to have my student tutor me on how to have an Instagram account back in 2017. And now we have over 12,000 followers and I do it every single day and love sharing and posting pictures and tips and tricks and those kinds of things so that in itself has evolved in the last four years mm -hmm. um so yeah it just started out with me making food for myself and then being on trail other hikers were drooling over my food and when i was eating they're like wow like where did that come from like i want some of that so when i got home that's when i was like well maybe i should do something with this and that's when i made the first cookbook and then that took off really well but there were a lot of publishing problems so we wanted to get rid of that kind of side thing and then that's why we went online just because it's so much easier and it's just grown ever since so I just really enjoy educating people about nutrition and backpacking so that's how it's come about and so now backcountry foodie is more than just you it's more than just you and your husband you've got uh, additional staff and contributors that that assist with this right so we now have in addition to myself, I do primarily meal planning, the ultralight part of it. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with, let's say, like diabetes or cardiovascular disease or some of the other more um, common diseases. That's just not what I did in my background. So we actually have nutrition coaches that can help with people having those kinds of problems already at home that need to eat well when they're hiking. So we have three nutrition coaches that are all dietitians. And we, one of those actually is a through hiker. She's done the PCT and the Oregon Coast, or excuse me, the Colorado Trail. So she's really helpful about like knowing the strategies about resupplying and eating well. Um, and then we have one of my prior students is our marketing director and we have a social media manager. We have a customer service. Um, we have Oh gosh, three more people that have been contributing content to the new meal planning site. So I think we're up to 10 people. I've lost track because we're just we're growing so much, but I think we're up to about 10 people. And I saw on the website, one of those 10 people is Inga Aximit. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm using her brain. She's such a great resource. So she's providing a lot of content for the dehydrating food section of our new learning modules that are going to go live soon. 
Nice. And I think some of our listeners will recognize Inga's name. She is uh, one of the moderators for the John Muir Trail Facebook group. And uh, I've had a couple of interactions with her in that group. Uh, Early on in the pandemic, she was very uh, permissive with me in allowing me to post things about the podcast uh, to just to try and keep people connected to the Mm -hmm. trail. But uh, of recent uh, weeks, she has, she said, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. So even though oh. I think I've got some, <laughs> some really good content for, for the, for the people who are in that Facebook group, uh, she's like, yeah, we're not, you know, people are getting out more now. We're not going to do that anymore. So she's very, she's very firm mm-hmm. and, uh, holds the line where she thinks it should be. So, uh, next time you talk to Inga, let her know. I, I said, hi, and, uh, <laughs> thank you for the, the earlier, uh, allowances, uh, for the posting in that group. So we'll do. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get down into the nitty gritty of meal planning and food prep for long distance backpacking. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. My name's Erin Owens Mayhew, and I'm a long distance ultralight backpacker and a registered dietitian and the founder of Backcountry Foodie, which is an online platform for backpackers of all abilities to learn about their recipes and meal planning for their trips. And today you're listening to the John Frickin' Muir podcast. And welcome back. We're talking to Sling from Backcountry Foodie about meal prep and meal planning for long distance through hiking. So now tell me if this was your experience early on and how you've evolved. Cause that's what I, I want to learn from you. I want to, I want to learn how to evolve my, how to up my food game. You know, it used to be that I would buy freeze dried meals, mountain house and, and other items that I thought looked good. And then I'd have to kind of take them out of their current packaging and put them in Ziplocs to you know be able to store them uh, better in my bear canister. Of course I take the, the original packing materials with me, uh, the original container with me so I can cook them in there. It, it doesn't, doesn't work too well to, to cook in, uh, in a Ziploc bag, very messy. But, uh, and then I would also take ramen, maybe some tuna packets, you know, may have some ramen and tuna on a few nights and then sandwich in some, you know, pop tarts and extra big payday bars and some, some Skittles and trail traditional hiker food and call it a day. That's right. That's right. So how, how does my approach uh, vary with your current approach? If you're, if you were going to pack for a 10 day hike, if you're going to pack food, what does that look like for you? What does that process look like? So again, going back to my strong belief about taking what I normally eat at home, backpacking with me, just because I'm going to enjoy it more. And based on the foods that you were just describing, um, they tend to be more highly processed. So you're not going to get the nutrition bang um, in those foods, whereas food from home is typically more nutritious. Um, So one of my favorite breakfasts is granola um, with yogurt and berries. So instead of having that fresh, obviously you can't do that. I use freeze-dried yogurt, granola, and freeze-dried berries. Tastes exactly the same extremely compact, extremely calorically dense. And that's another one that's really great for bear cans because I go ahead and powder up the yogurt drops. So it's really super fine. Um, And I've actually even switched over to eating cold cereal for breakfast. Um, So tomorrow morning, actually two mornings from now, I'm gonna have, um, it's called our Daybreak Bran Flakes. It's essentially Bran Flakes that I've added extra nuts and seeds and whole milk powder and some coconut flakes. And I think it has apricots in it. So it's just normal food but I've mm-hmm. combined ingredients to make the extremely nutritious. So it's the same, I think it's like 600 calories or something. Um, instead of eating those Pop-Tarts, which are gonna give you that sugar rush, 
in the morning and then you're going to crash and they crumble really bad. So mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> they don't last very long. Um, so it's those kinds of things. Um, and same thing like for really beer can friendly or bean dips and hummus, because mm-hmm. you can just have dehydrated beans and grind them up into a powder in a um, coffee grinder and they take up zero space. I mean, they're super um, small volume, but you add some olive oil to it to make the higher calories and you've got a very nutritious meal with very, I think my bean dip recipe is 193 calories an ounce. And it's just black beans and some herbs and spices in it. And that's some olive oil. That's it. <laughs> Super easy. Wow. So, so the first game changer for me on the trail is when I went from boots to trail runners. Game changer. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Game changer. <laughs> I, think, I think this is the next game changer for me. This, my mouth is watering as you're, as you're talking about this. And it's really easy. And that's actually what was funny when Chris came on board with the business is he had no idea. I'd already been doing this for three years. He had no idea how easy it was to make the food until we were actually in the van and he saw me making it. And he was like, I could do, he doesn't cook. He's like, I could do this. And actually I had him make our food one for one of our last trips and he did it. And he was like, this piece of cake. So it's just a matter of knowing how to do it. And I think that's things that hikers just, the information I don't think is out there. So that's why we do what we do. Right. Now I'm going to, I'm going to use air quotes on this because on my first long distance hike, cause it doesn't compare to, you know, what, what you've done, even with, you know, the 400 miles on the PCT, I, you know, I, I did a 125 mile hike and after eight days, I came out 10 pounds lighter mm-hmm. just because, you know, too exhausted to eat, not really excited about eating you know, all the physical activity, but, um, is that, is that typically what happens with you as well? Where, where, uh, there's weight loss during a longer hike? No, that was actually one of the big things I was concerned about when I was planning for the PCT is I put on a few pounds of COVID, but back then I was pretty lean. So, um, I didn't have the 30 pounds to lose that a lot of hikers do by the end of the trail. Mm. So I was actually really panicking. And at the time I'd been ultra trail running. So I knew that, I was having a hard enough time running and keeping weight on. Um, so calories are a huge deal. So that's part of what I've been able to do is I maximize every single bite of food that goes in my mouth to prevent the weight loss from happening. Um, and I've done a big YouTube video on through hiker diets, comparing what those two pounds worth of food weigh and what's in those two pounds. Um, because the way I've designed the food is that I can get 5,000 calories in two pounds, easy peasy. Whereas the foods that you just told me about, the traditional like hiker foods, um, you can get 3,500 calories in those two pounds. So there's very difference um, in the types of foods that you have. And two, like you were telling me, your foods don't necessarily have the amount of protein that you need to recover. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of inflammatory ingredients in them too. So you're not going to feel as good the next morning. Um, so it's just a, a change of mindset from how to use food to fuel yourself versus just something to eat. I really think backpackers are, are athletes. That's kind of my big thing. So that's why I was feeling so cruddy each morning. It's because of the, the food I was eating. It could have something to do with it, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> you could be tired too, but food is food plays a huge role. And if it's one of those things that you can, the one thing out of the equation that's going to send you home early, that's something you have control over. Like I didn't necessarily have control over my quad deciding to tear on me, um, mm-hmm. but I can control not losing a lot of weight and then becoming iron deficient. Some women have had to go home because of iron deficiency anemia, and that's preventable just by eating. Right, right. 
Now I had the chance to check out your website. You gave me a premium membership. Does that does that extend after this uh, podcast interview, or is it, is it am I cut <laughs> off right after this? Right after we finish recording here, uh, we'll we'll be generous and let you keep going. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. You have so much content on on your website uh, and through your membership. You know, like you said, there's there's five thousand calorie meals, there's four thousand calorie meals. There's, I mean, whatever you're looking for, it's it's there. Why don't you take us through uh, the website and all the different features and and what can be found there? Well, the way it is currently, and we're always growing. Like I said, we're always adding on. Um, the way it is right now is we have 175 of the recipes that I've trail tested, created myself, and trail tested. So I know what works and what doesn't. Which ones taste good? I've had all the stomach aches for you. So <laughs> if it didn't work, I've gone through that for you. So all the recipes are trail tested. Um, and what's been really fun is you can leave comments for the recipes. So folks have been leaving comments and pictures about their experience with the recipes. Um, and then you can also adjust the serving sizes of the recipes. So let's say you have a family of four, you can put four servings and it automatically adjusts the recipes to four. So you're not having to do the math yourself. Um, and they also will switch over to metric. So we have um, customers in 20, over 20 countries right now. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of those folks need metrics. So we've done that now. Our old recipes didn't do that. Um, they're all downloadable in PDF files if you want to do that. Um, you can create a favorites list, which is really handy. So once you find the ones that you really like, then you just click on favorites and it goes into your list. So when you go to make your meal plans, you just drag and drop your favorites into your meal plan. And the meal plan itself adds up all the nutrition for you. It tells you how many calories, carbs, protein, fat, fiber, sodium. Um, it tells you how much it weighs. So you can see if you're getting close to your weight limit that you're shooting for, it tells you how much water you need, um, which I think is really helpful because like the Trans Catalina Trail, there's only water at camp. So it's not something that I want to have a lot of water that I need um, at lunchtime. So I'm a little more aware of how much water is needed per the meal plan. Um, so those are all the things in our basic membership that you can do for yourself. But then in our premium membership is where I add in all those extra meal plans that I've used before myself. So I'm giving you a good starting point that are already like nutritionally sound meal plans. Um, we also I give master classes, like I mentioned before. So usually twice a month, I'll have a class. So all of our premium members get to go to those that non-members have to pay for. Um, there's a forum in there now, so you can get in there and I'm in there moderating. So I'm asking questions, answering questions. So you can get in there and chat with all kinds of people about questions about food. Um, next up is a hiking calorie calculator that we're adding. Um, that's actually one that's legit. The ones that you'll find online give, this is one of the problems I have with those, is they give you how many calories you've burned, not how many calories you need in a day. Um, and that can really be a significant underestimation of what you need because your body still burns calories sitting and those calorie calculators don't take that into account. So we're actually, we've done extensive research and are going to put together a calculator for you guys um, to be able to use within that site. That's where I burn most of my calories. Sitting. <laughs> sitting, yeah. sitting, me sitting behind a laptop for 10 hours a day. <laughs> very good. Very good. Now, what about, you know, I'm thinking in my head right now, if, you know, when I'm out on, a, on the trail and I come into camp, I know all I have to do is boil water and, and add the water to the, to the package and wait eight minutes and I'm good to go. How, how does that paradigm change with these types of meals? Oh, mine are even better. Five minutes or less. 
<laughs> because I might be a dietitian, but I'm a type A dietitian that's really impatient when she's hungry. So <laughs> all of our recipes are designed to be specific, excuse me, specifically uh, freezer bag style, just add hot or cold water and ready at home, make them in five minutes or less or on trail five minutes or less. Um, because we all lead busy lifestyles. And I think that's one of the reasons why people tend to just go to the grocery store and pull food off their shelves um, because it is easy. So that's why I worked really hard to make the recipes easy to make at home, hoping that people will make them and eat a little bit better. And I'm that very person too. I get into camp, I'm starving. I don't want to sit and stir and simmer for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so they're specifically designed to do that. Okay. So you are... Just to, to give our listeners an accurate description, it's not that you're packing, say, five different ingredients for one meal, and they're all separate, and you need, you need to now combine them at camp, add them all together, and then add the water? Are you you're doing all that prep work ahead of time at home? All the prep work's done at home, okay. and again, I like to do things quickly, so you don't even need a dehydrator. All the ingredients are dry, so you literally have your bag, dump in a few dry ingredients, zip up your bag, and you're done. Um, you don't even dirty a bowl. <laughs> so you may dirty a few measuring spoons and that's it. There's not a whole lot of dishes you have to do, which I know dehydrators, they're really great. They save you money and not having to buy the dehydrated food, but it's not absolutely necessary. So if you're somebody that doesn't want to make that investment just yet, then our recipes are a really good place to start. And then you just add the water to the bag once you get to camp. Okay. And what kind of bag is this? It's obviously not a regular Ziploc baggie. Well, this, we have a variety of things. So you can do the freezer bag. And like you said, they're harder to use. They're kind of flimsy. A lot of people use them, the Ziploc freezer bags. Um, there's the Talenti jar that ultralight hikers love um, that you can put in. And then there's, I'm actually trying the uh, Virgo bot this week to try. It's one expensive titanium pot, but it also can be used as a cold soap jar. So I'm going to give that a try. Um, you can use, like you said, your mountain house bags, or you can reuse those. So anything that'll hold hot or cold water and zip up, you can use in silicone bags. I've started using those recently too. So mm -hmm. there's any number of things that you can use. Okay. And the best cold soak meal you've ever had? Oh gosh. Hmm. I think it's my bean dip, to be honest. I keep talking about it because it's so delicious. <laughs> um, my least favorite was a strawberry coconut couscous for breakfast. It was horrible, hmm. and it was so bad that I skipped breakfast, and I never skipped breakfast. This is on the Oregon Coast Trail when I cold soaked, and I never skipped breakfast because I'm grouchy if I don't eat. But I hiked all the way into town and ate at McDonald's because I was so desperate to eat that I wasn't going to eat that cold soaked breakfast, and I never, ever eat at McDonald's. So that's another one of those memories that I'll never forget. That is not a ringing endorsement for that meal. No, no. that one did not make it into the website. Okay, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> So let's talk typical, typical, not favorites. We're going to talk about favorites in a little bit here, but typical. Uh, what would be a typical breakfast on the trail for you? Uh, well, like I said, the yogurt mm -hmm. and the berries and the um, cereal. I'm a big, I grew up in Kentucky. I love cheese grits. So actually cheese grits are going with me on this trip. Um, I'm trying to think. Some lunches, little dinners. Uh yeah, What's so I was, gonna, I was gonna go to dip to lunch. Okay, sorry, <laughs> I keep it's going. Okay. Ahead of me. Uh, tip, a typical lunch on the trail for you. Uh, so typical lunch, I don't take tortillas 
just because of the whole calorie per ounce thing. Um, they weigh a lot for the amount of calories I can get in the weight. So I don't use those. I don't use rice at all because there's no nutritional value in it. Um, so this trip, oh, actually I made an onion soup dip with Fritos that's going with me. It's amazing. It tastes like the real deal. So it's almost like you're like eating garbage on true, but it's actually really good. Nice. It's, uh, it's like a football game chip dip and it's just oh, amazing. Okay. Um, so if you like those kinds of things, yeah. And then I have a cream cheese bean dip that is kind of like a seven layer dip, a taco seven layer dip. I have mm -hmm. a recipe for that. Um, that's really good. Um, okay. And before we get to dinner, okay. before we get to a typical dinner, what are you munching on while you're hiking? What are, what are just some snacks throughout the day? It used to be bars, but I can't stomach bars anymore. I've eaten hundreds and hundreds of bars, so they just, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. um, so now I've gone on to energy bites, just homemade little energy bites, which are really easy, but those don't work really well for long distance stuff. That's more kind of like a weekend hike. Um, but I make my own homemade trail mixes now. So I've come up with concoctions, um, my recipes that are super high calorie, nutritious um, trail mix because it never failed that I would buy a trail mix in a bag at a store and there'd be something I wouldn't like in it. So it's constantly like picking out the things I didn't like and then adding more things in. So I was like, I'm just going to make my own recipes. Um, and I'm really good at making kind of really wacky ingredient mixtures because I think it's fun. So then that way it kind of gives you something to look forward to. Right. Right. And let's talk about uh, drinks on the trail. No, we know we're, we're both not uh, whole milk fans. And we, you know, water can get boring after a while. Do you have any flavor additives that you, that you use that you're partial to or, or something else that and I'm actually, unaware of? And actually drinks are a huge part of my diet when I'm hiking um, because there are those times when I'm starving, but I'm not ready to stop because I'm trying to put in a lot of miles. Mm -hmm. So I know if I don't eat something then I'm going to crash. So I'll have a meal replacement drink. Um, and actually one of my favorites is using the whole milk powder, peanut butter powder and a carnation breakfast packet. It's amazing. And it's got so much protein and nutrition in it that I don't even stop walking. I keep one in my hip belt pocket, pull it out, add some water, shake, drink, and keep moving. Um, so that's kind of my late afternoon, keep me going thing. And I always keep one as like an emergency when I feel myself getting ready to hit the wall. Um, and I have four or five of those kinds of recipes because there's times you're at altitude and you could lose your appetite. There's times you could have giardia and lose your appetite. There's all those times when you don't want to eat or there's times I just get tired of chewing because on the AT, I was eating 6,000 calories or more. I was like, I just can't eat anymore, but my body needs it. So I has a constant like having to shovel it in. Um, and drinks are awesome because you just add some water, chug, done. Um, so yeah, right. so, and I do a lot of those for breakfast too. I didn't mention that. I do smoothies for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So say that again, it was whole milk powder, peanut butter powder, and yep. carnation drink powder? Yeah, the chocolate carnation breakfast drink right. powder. Um, yeah. Just PB Fit, PB2, any kind of peanut butter powder you can get at the grocery store. And that's one of those I really recommend through hikers use because you can get all those things at Walmart when you're in town. Right. And just add the combination of those into a Ziploc baggie, then take them with you and you've got something on you all the time. Game changer. Game, Game changer. changer right there. Because you're right, you know, you, you get into you get into camp at night and you you've just, you know, been working for eight, ten, twelve, fourteen hours mm -hmm. and you're exhausted. Yeah. And it, it is it is difficult to to chew your food chew yeah. your food sometimes. Right? You just don't want to do it. it you just, just don't want to do it. No. So that is that's fantastic. Okay. Well and two, if I'm on a really hard trek where I'm having to breathe hard, my cardiovascular like 
you can't, I have a hard time chewing and eating, you know, hiking at the same time. True. So sometimes just not having to like keep putting away bars, drinks are really helpful. If I'm just cardiovascularly, I'm working really hard too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Typical dinner. Um, let's see what I packed for this trip. Oh, my Thai yellow curry. It's going for this one. Um, super easy. Um, that's the first night I've got a pasta primavera on another night. Um, and a Mexican chip dip on another night. So that's, what's packed in my bag right now. Okay. And how about dessert? Do you also do desserts Ooh, on the trail? Desserts are a must. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm a sweet person. They are a must. Um, for this trip, I've got key lime cheesecake the first night, um, tiramisu the second night. Um, and then my walnut brownie batter is on the third night. That sounds phenomenal. Each one yeah, of those. All dry ingredients, all from the grocery store. Nothing out of the ordinary. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm struggling to, to wrap my mind around all this. This is, this is, uh, this is not your typical backpacker fare. This is, this is good stuff. I know I talked to, to Billy Yang about his through hike of the, of the JMT and watched his documentary, which was hilarious. And one of the things he would do was, was food reviews on his documentary and they would, they would talk about, you know, it was traditional backpacker fare, but they would, they would spice it up by adding in uh, you know, a packet of uh, hot sauce into, mm-hmm. into something. And that was their, that was their way to spice it up. Uh, you, you believe in, in bringing uh, additional spices as well to, to see or seasonings. Well, if you have food that already tastes good, you don't have to. Nice. Good point. So <laughs> I don't bring anything because it's already in there. Good point. What else do you want to tell us about uh, either the website or memberships or other, uh, other backcountry foodie information that we, we need to know about? Um, well, we're finally on a regular filming schedule for our YouTube channel. Um, so if you want to kind of get to know what I do, things that we like to talk about, um, you can start seeing our YouTube videos there. We only have a handful, but now we're on an every other week schedule. Um, so you should start seeing a lot of content there. Okay. Very good. Now, now for a top five list, your top five favorite meals on the trail and you need a brief description of how long it took you to prep each one and how long it takes in camp to make it. Okay, well, number one is going back to the whole milk powders that chocolate peanut butter shake is always with me. Um, it, like I said, it's just three ingredients, dump them in a bag, super easy, add in water, shake. I mean, it's what, two minutes mm-hmm. to, to shake, drink, and gone. Right. Um, so that would be probably my top, my very number one thing that always goes with me. Um, two, I really do love that granola and yogurt. <laughs> I just keep talking about it because it's just so easy to do. And again, it rehydrates almost instantaneously. You add, I think it's only three ounces of water. So you don't even have to boil. It can be room temperature or cold water. So it's ready in just a few minutes. It's super filling. Um, three, oh, my garlic Parmesan ramen. I do eat ramen. Um, so, but I do ramen. I never use the spice packets. Those always get left at home. Um, so it's ramen, garlic powder, Parmesan cheese, parsley, maybe a little bit of pepper and olive oil. It's just like a pesto sauce. Super easy. You can cold soak it if you want to, or you can add some hot water. It's ready in five minutes or less <laughs> when you're using hot water. Um, I think it has like six or 700 calories in it. Um, so it actually takes that easy ramen, boring ramen to something that tastes really pretty delicious. And up your um, ramen game. Very yeah, up good. your ramen game. Actually, I have a YouTube video about it. <laughs> so, <Nice. Okay. laughs> because it's one of those, it's a hiker favorite too. Everybody loves it. 
Um, let me think. So number four, I'm trying to think if we go like different meals. So dessert, I love my apple cobbler is my other favorite. Um, it's just freeze dried apples, some brown sugar, some cinnamon, and I use coconut oil. It's kind of like the, to make it kind of the cobbler kind of texture mm -hmm. and graham crackers that I just crush up. And that's all it is. It's super easy. I have like an ounce of hot water and it's done. Um, so maybe you have like eight ounces of hot water for ramen, heat up an extra one ounce with it and you've got ramen and apple cobbler for dinner that cost you like a few dollars instead of paying $10 for a full freeze dried meal. Mm -hmm. um, I want five. Oh, one, more. <laughs> yep. one more. Let me think of five. Um, well, I've got 175 favorites. That's why it's hard to pick. Uh, my spaghetti is pretty good. That's another one of those easy way to take ramen and the base is Burt's ramen, but it's tomato powder, which is really easy to get at store. Some herbs, spices, um, some Parmesan cheese and a little bit of olive oil. And that's all. I mean, it's just a regular pasta sauce. So it tastes just like spaghetti does at home. That's um, inexpensive. I'm frugal too. And so when you hear me talk about cheap, I'm about as cheap as they get. <laughs> nice. nice. I, I'm starting to feel like I know how you felt when the, uh, the second boyfriend said, hey, let's go backpacking mm -hmm. and showed you how to do it the right way. This is, this is uh, a game changer in terms of yeah. food and in my backpacking game so well that's what was funny going back to the very beginning the mres i would spend so much time going to army surplus stores trying to find these things because i didn't know any different i'm like how do people eat like i'm really struggling finding these and then i realized oh they don't eat them that's why <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not a big demand for them <laughs> that's a, not a demand <laughs> wow so i know you guys are doing the trans catalina trail uh this week Mm -hmm. What what's next after that for Aaron, Chris, and Ella? We are actually shooting to do the through hike of the Colorado Trail this summer. So that's we haven't picked a start date yet, just because living in the van, we have the flexibility. So mm -hmm. I'm actually kind of keeping an eye on the snowpack because um, right now I think there's not a lot of snow, so they're a little worried about the water sources being dried up earlier than usual. Mm -hmm. So we haven't decided if we're going in June, July. So we haven't quite decided yet, but. That's that next may, on the agenda. That may change with the weather this week. I think that's what most, I'm hearing. Most of the U.S. is getting dumped on right now. Right. So we'll make that decision start date kind of later on. See how that goes. Okay. Hey, Sling, do you know where we are? We are the John freaking Muir podcast. Yes, that that's right? correct. That's correct. <laughs> is that what I'm supposed to say? But we're also, <laughs> we're also at that time of the episode where I ask oh. you for your pro tip inside of the week. Now, I know this is tough because you've been giving us pro tip after pro tip <laughs> after pro tip this whole episode. But what what else can you share? What other tip, trick, bit of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience that much better? Um, the one thing I haven't talked about is the importance of snacking. I've kind of talked about what I like to eat, but not about how important it is um, because you can eat breakfast and have lunch, but you still, your body's burning a lot of calories in between those two meals. So you can easily crash. Um, you can learn, I'll get sciencey here. Glycogen is the storage of carbohydrates in your body. You only have enough storage for an hour to three hours, depending on how intense the hike is. So if you're doing like some mountaineering trip, you could burn through all your energy, your carb stores within an hour. And if you don't snack, then you're going to hit the wall. You're going to feel horrible and not be able to make it to the summit. Um, so snacking is extremely important to do in between meals. So that's something that I really encourage folks 
don't just take one bar, take several bars and make sure if you do like every 60 to 90 minutes, I keep a timer on my watch because I get so distracted, like enjoying the hike that I forget to eat. And then later on when I start getting grouchy, Chris is like, you need to eat. <laughs> so That's something I think is probably one of the big tip, the take homes for today is to make sure you snack. That's a great tip. Can I apply that to my regular life as well? The importance of snacking. I, I, I try, I try and use that argument, but uh, no, nobody seems yeah. to buy into it. Yeah, so. I wish. <laughs> I wish right. I could eat like I do on trail at home every day. That's <laughs> yes. not a good idea. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This bonus episode with Backcountry Foodie and Sling is in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Sling. I want to thank her for joining this joining us this week. Sling, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? So we're on Instagram and Facebook. And like I mentioned, YouTube, just look for Backcountry Foodie. Our website is backcountryfoodie.com. Um, we post whenever we're doing anything new, it's there. We actually have a what's new page on our website. So if you go to backcountryfoodie.com slash what's new, um, anything that we've got done new, whether it's a new class, whether it's another YouTube podcast, you will be there. Um, that will be online there. So that's probably the best way to kind of keep track of where we are at that time. Very good. I'm looking forward to seeing some updates on your, on your website or social media on the Trans Catalina Trail. You're going to have a great time. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. <laughs> nice. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com. Sling, I'm looking to, to you to give our listeners your recommendation for a book a movie, a documentary, a website, or a YouTube channel that will keep them connected to the outdoor adventures. We're calling this our outdoor, I'm sorry, we're calling this our adventure media recommendation. Any, any uh, favorites out there that really get you inspired to get out there and go hiking? Well, because this is all about food, I'm going to tell you about a food book. Okay. Um, and since you know Inga already, I highly recommend Inga's Hungry Spork book. Um, it's really awesome. It's, it's meant for beginner through hikers, but I think anybody could use it. It's all about meal planning, kind of understanding food, the meal prep, all of that. I think it's just a really good starting point for people. And I happen to review the nutrition chapter, so it's legit. <laughs> okay. Did you say Hungry, hungry Spork? Hungry Spork like a nice. spork that you would eat with yeah nice now i want you to let inga know that we are promoting her book <laughs> on this podcast i will do <laughs> and so maybe maybe she'll let me post this podcast on the john your trail <laughs> facebook group probably not. i will i'll let her know we'll okay see. <laughs> all right very good that's a wrap from the john freaking mirror studio any shout outs to friends or family slang Actually, I just want to give a shout out to all the hikers this year. 2021 through hikers, get after it. I know a lot of you had to cancel your plans last year, so make this your year. All right. Well said. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if all you've got in your pack to look forward to at your next meal is a bag of ramen and some tuna. The trail is the trail. Embrace the sock. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.